With the end of summer upon us, the traditional end of the summer being Labor Day, of course, a holiday in honor of American workers, we bring you an episode that we've been planning since the traditional start of the season around Memorial Day, when we honor the memory of our fallen military heroes. On this episode, we bring two important subjects together in a discussion about labor and military service, featuring three business leaders who have a proud pedigree of global deployments as leaders in the U.S. Armed Forces. Companies like the, the ones that are represented today are looking for talent, right? And no other better place to look for than the military. That's retired Colonel Adam Rock, who served in the Army for 34 years and now runs the Hiring Our Heroes Foundation, a program that helps find meaningful careers and economic pathways for service members, veterans, and military spouses. I can honestly say that my current service at the Cleveland Clinic, I feel like almost an extension of the service I had when I was in the military. The only difference is my uniform's different. That's Pat Rios, who spent 30 years as a commanding officer in the Navy's Civil Engineer Corps before transitioning into civilian life seven years ago. He's now the executive director of buildings and design for the Cleveland Clinic, managing a global real estate portfolio. And rounding out our roll call of officers is one of CBRE's own retired Colonel Michelle Butters, a 28-year veteran of the Marine Corps. I just wanted to lead people, lead Marines, now lead in the civilian world. So anything that would help me do that. And so understanding what was out there, getting to know people was very key to, to the success of moving into the right role. Michelle started her military career as a supply officer and is now a sector director in industrial and logistics for CBRE Global Workplace Solutions. Coming up, a salute to service in military and civilian life two vital areas of the American workforce and navigating the labor market of our time. I'm Spencer Levy, and that's right now on The Weekly Take. Welcome to The Weekly Take, and we're so excited to have Adam Rock, Senior Director of Hiring Our Heroes. Adam, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks, Spencer, very much for having me. Great to have you, Adam. And then we have Pat Rios, Executive Director at the Cleveland Clinic. Pat, thanks for coming out. Hey, thanks for having me, Spencer. Pleasure to meet you and Adam and Michelle. Great. And then, as noted by Pat, we have our own Michelle Butters, Senior Managing Director of CBRE. Thank you for coming out today, Michelle. Thank you, Spencer, and thanks for the opportunity to discuss this important topic with you and the others today. Great. Well, uh, as mentioned at the outset, we've been working on this episode for a while and we're just psyched to have it today. So, Adam, let's ask just a opening question of, of how you got into the military. First of all, you know, go Army, beat Navy. I'm going to throw that out there early there. But my father was Marine. We'll get to that. But we have a long lineage of, uh, of military service dating back to World War One with my great uncle Saul, all the way through to my father, who was a Marine Raider on Iwo Jima. And my brother was in the Army. And I said, after high school, frankly, I, I wasn't ready to go to college right away. I knew I wanted to serve in some way. So I enlisted in the service and I was a young infantryman. But I realized that I uh, want to go to college and get my degree. And I wanted to uh, be, uh, be a leader. And so that's what I did for another 30 years. So just like Michelle and, and Pat, I uh, got an opportunity to continue to serve in uniform and retire at the rank of colonel, which I'm, I'm honored to have, have served at that level. Great. So, Pat, would love to hear how you got involved with the military. 
my story a, a little bit different. I'm a son of uh, immigrant parents. My family's from Argentina originally, but my dad uh, studied medicine in the U.S., and that's where I was. I was born here, and uh, he always wanted to join the Navy. Tried to join the Navy during the Vietnam War when they were drafting doctors. Uh, didn't let him in because he was a foreign national, but. He loved the Navy and always wanted to be part of it. And one day, believe it or not, when I was maybe 10 years old, we were in a bookstore. I know people don't buy books nowadays, but he bought a book about the Navy. And he said, I think you'd find this interesting. He handed it to me and I consumed it from cover to cover and had found my life's vocation at that point. Terrific. And Michelle, tell us how uh, you got involved with the military. Well, my father was in the military and my grandfather, but that is actually not what attracted me to it. I actually went to college at University of Nebraska, got my accounting degree. Uh, after I got out, I actually wanted to go in the FBI and investigate fraud, but I was too young and they had a hiring freeze on at the time. And at the same time, I got a postcard in the mail. Uh, so I actually used that flyer that was for the women officer training and decided to go for it. Um, I wanted to see the world. I then thought I could go in the FBI later, but I ended up loving it. I met my husband, who's also a Marine, and I ended up staying in for 28 years. Terrific. Terrific. So, Adam, um, this episode is uh, about the military and labor. And there's such a shortage of labor out there, just generally speaking, right now. I think the unemployment rate is under 4%, 3.7% or so. Um, it would seem to me that now would be a great time to be helping military folks transition into the private sector. Oh, I 100% agree with that, Spencer. Companies like the, the ones that are represented today, are, I mean, are, are looking for talent, right? And no other better place to look for than the military talent, as the three of us would attest to, and we're obviously biased, but it is talent. And there are thousands of companies like CBRU is one of our partners uh, that recognize that the Jewish Chamber of Commerce, Hiring Our Heroes Foundation is a great place to find that talent. We have lots of programs. We've been doing this for over a decade now. We travel the globe, no matter where the young men and women are serving. Uh, doesn't matter if it's Army, doesn't, and Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, even Space Force now. If there is a location that uh, young men and women are serving, we'll go there in some capacity to try and present to them not only the educational content and how to transition successfully, but we'll introduce them to great companies, again, like CBRE and Cleveland Clinic and whatnot, that, that, that are looking for the talent. Our young men and women have the skills that corporate America is looking for, right? They have those tangible skills. Whether you're an infantryman, whether you're a radio man, whether you're a signalier, cybersecurity or whatnot, they recognize that. But what they're really looking for is those intangible skills, right? Those things about discipline, work ethic, problem solving, critical thinking, right? your ability to be trained. There's no other organization in the world that trains its young men and women uh, better than the United States military. We've got over 1,100 occupational skills, and one of those fit nicely in any business. But we're trainable, and corporate America understands that you can learn, you can learn quickly, uh, and we're willing to train you. So that's what we do. We have virtual events, we have in-person events, we have military spouse events, and we have a wonderful fellowship program with CBRE is involved in it as well that puts our folks through an internship to last six months of service and with a segue into a, a job position. And it's worked very well. So that's a synopsis of what we do. Just in terms of the ballpark numbers, how many companies do you work with? How many people have you placed? How many people are in your organization? 
thousands of companies, honestly, the, the number is too high and it continues to grow every day, right? And if it's big or small and you have meaningful careers with paying benefits that are commensurate to what we had in the military, then we want to talk to you. We want to engage. We want to figure out how we could create pathways to your organization. We have touched over a million people in the last decade uh, of some way uh, or shape or form. Michelle, uh, I understand you're in industrial and logistics. Tell us about the transition from being in the military in uh, some type of logistics capacity to being in the private sector in the logistics capacity. Yeah, I would say the supply chain aspect and some of the logistics does relate. Um, I think the, the budgeting I had was responsible for a lot of budgets. One of my first jobs on a base was managing everything on that base, all of the equipment, all of the buildings, all of the um, suppliers that came into the base as far as setting up, um, making sure that the recruits had all, everything they needed. This was actually at Paris Island, South Carolina, where all the, the on the East Coast, all of the recruits come in for the Marine Corps. And I, all of that equipment, we had to make sure that it was accounted for. Um, all the way to when you go overseas, where you're responsible for, again, the contractor setting up all of the supply chain, all of the equipment that comes in and out. We had around 8,000 sets of gear equipment that the recruits had to wear. So you had to have accountability of that. You also have to manage the maintenance of that equipment and the buildings. It's also about making sure that those recruits have all of the things that they need at the different times of year. So in the winter, for example, even though you think South Carolina, it's not that cold, we absolutely got rain and cold and freezing. So you had to have the right uh clothing for them to wear, as well as the uh, weapons, making sure that we had all of those so they could go out and train. So it's it's also actual land. There's a lot of land so that we can fire the weapons and make sure that they qualify on that uh, and the transportation to get them from one side of the base to the other. So there's all of that aspect that go into managing a base and managing that equipment and the supply to get them all of that information they need and all of that assets to make sure they operate effectively. What drew you to the real estate industry? Well, my job today, I have about five different accounts that I oversee that are all in industrial and logistics. Most of those have manufacturing sites, warehousing spaces, and some offices. So we manage both their real estate, their facility management, and their project management, anything that they need us to do outside their core business. I would say the real estate aspect, I, I first came into Johnson Controls in, through the HVAC industry, and I actually used a recruiter that found me a company that uh, was a, a large company that I could stay with and grow up uh, and, and move up within the organization. And that's what I wanted. Um, and I've pretty much stayed with that uh, my entire uh, career. But I would say the real estate aspect, what I really liked was the managing the people, managing the facilities, the, the budgeting aspect. That aspect was very similar to what I did in the military. I did have to learn some different things within the HVAC industry. I did not have an engineering degree at the time. So um, there were some really good programs with the companies that I interviewed with. And that's ultimately what attracted me and kept me with, within the real estate industry. Pat. Uh, you are running uh, the facilities for the Cleveland Clinic, one of the largest healthcare systems in the world. Tell us again about your uh, Navy background and how that helps you with your current role with the Cleveland Clinic. Well, I'm very fortunate that uh, my Navy training, uh, and I just to pick up on what Michelle does, the, the Navy does uh, facilities management and support of the Marines. So planning, design, construction, real estate, you talked about land. 
Uh, we also managed the buildings. We did environmental contracting, et cetera. So very, very seamless transition for me from the military as a civil engineer corps officer where I, I managed facilities all over the world to move into the corporate commercial real estate sector and managing properties for a large global owner like the Cleveland Clinic. So I got a lot of experience early on uh, as a project manager, project person, and then slowly grew to managing installations and groups of installations and all the issues that get managed in a real estate portfolio. So super excited uh, to have the opportunity at the Cleveland Clinic because I feel like I do the same thing I did in the military, but I do it to take care of people, patients now. And when people think of, uh, again, people that are from outside the healthcare industry, think of the Cleveland Clinic, they, of course, think of the world-class hospital facilities, but it's more than that. They have offices, they have lots of things. Tell us a little bit about the portfolio itself, how diverse it is, how big it is. So we manage a uh, 39 million square foot portfolio extending from Northeast Ohio through Florida uh, to Abu Dhabi. And our latest offering, we opened one of the most modern and I guess up-to-date and uh, expansive offerings in the United Kingdom in London uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, we have our clinical holdings, like you alluded to, uh, Spencer, but you're right. So we have a very diverse portfolio uh, that not a day passes where I'm not maneuvering from one different type of facility and facility issues to another one and the complexities that are associated with all of those. So very exciting environment to work in. Adam, obviously this is a real estate podcast, but you place people in all kinds of businesses. When you get a recruit, how do you try to help them navigate the the new world of all these different choices? Why real estate? Why tech? Why some some other industry? There's so many occupations within your industry right now that there is something for every transitioning service member or veteran out there, all right, to include those military spouses. I think what you've got to do is you've got to promote your industry. This podcast is a step in the right direction to do that. So what we try to do at Hiring Our Heroes is promote your industry. That's why we're fortunate to be partnered with CBRE and they come and attend our events. But the fact is, what we want to do is we want to showcase great organizations like that. And we want them to sit on stage. They want them to be part of our panels. We want Michelle to come and talk about all the career opportunities and why this is a perfect segue to economic success for you and your family. You, We're all over the world. We have multiple jobs and there's opportunity for you to grow and develop within uh, this industry. So we want to promote that. And we do that in person at panels. We do that virtually. We do that on webinars. We do that on social media. This industry is just one of the many industries, though, that we're partnered with. And we try to showcase all of them. Pat, um, you've now been out of the service for how long? How long have you been in the private sector? Oh, gosh. Uh, Now seven years. Seven years. Okay. So tell me about that. Tell me about the transition from military to private sector, uh, the good, the bad, the challenges, the, the cool parts. What was the single biggest challenge you had transitioning from military to the private sector? Great question, Spencer. So, uh, I guess I already had an established career like Michelle and Adam. I I retired as a captain in the Navy. So I had an established industry reputation, but in the government services industry. First, my wife is a physician. So a son of a physician married to a physician. And uh, 
she wanted to take some time. I told her that the next 30 years belonged to her, and uh, I wanted to give her some time to decide what she wanted to do. And I turned around and uh, I went to immediately transition to working for uh, a company that in the government contracting sector. And, and had a fine opportunity, learned a lot about what it takes to be a, a, a contractor, a vendor. A matter of fact, probably uh, the most, the steepest learning curve I've ever had in, in, a, in a single year until my wife then uh, pursued an opportunity with the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, and, and fortunately at that point, uh, I fell into an opportunity with the Cleveland Clinic, much like she did. And they immediately recruited me. Matter of fact, one of my former bosses in the Navy worked with the Cleveland Clinic and was instrumental to transitioning me into this environment. And so I guess the transition for me, I felt was pretty seamless. And I could have stayed in a government service uh, industry, uh, but then transitioning to a commercial sector that brought a new learning curve and different approach to doing business. And I really enjoyed learning a lot about that. So the seven years have been an intense period of learning for me, and I've really enjoyed it. Spencer, I would love to answer that same question too. So I actually transitioned into the, the corporate world in 2000 as a captain. I came off active duty, then went into the reserve. So my time was a bit different, and I would say my transition was challenging in a different way. Uh, every time I had drill weekend, I had to transition to reserves and thinking that way. And Monday morning, I'd have to transition back to the corporate real estate. So very challenging from that perspective. When I first uh, got off active duty years ago, I would say that the biggest piece of advice that I have for others is really more around networking, uh, making sure that you're uh, getting out there, getting your name out there, especially for the younger folks, uh, unlike Pat, who had a career um, the younger folks don't always have that. And so it's about getting out there, talking to anybody and everybody that they can, even if it doesn't lead to something, it still helps you understand what it is that you want. As, as a captain, I didn't know exactly what industry I wanted to go in. So it was about conversations with other folks. What did I really like? I just wanted to lead people, lead Marines, now lead in the civilian world. So anything that would help me do that. And so understanding what was out there, Getting to know people was very key to, to the success of moving into the right role. Adam, same question to you, uh, the transition. So I want to talk about, though, just the larger transition, uh, right? For, for all those young servicemen, they, they won't always have it as easy as the three of us had it, okay? And there's reasons why. First of all, 86% of our military is enlisted folks, all right? And those in this, many of the services have uh, do a very, very good job at the education, right? The um, Air Force has a community college of the Air Force. Uh, there's lots of uh, ways to get tuition assistance, credentials, certifications and licensures, right? Um, but these young men and women have unique skills, right, that they want to transition or tr into their next career. They have to decide, though, what that career is going to be, all right? If you don't figure out what it is you want to do before you transition out, you, then you will have not be successful, all right. So what I tell people, there's three things, pieces of advice. It doesn't matter who you are, but but I look at them, I say, figure out what your goals are. What is it you want to do? And back to Michelle's point about a network, you know, this is a transition is a process. When you treat it as an event, then you won't be successful. But if you start to build a network, as she talked about, 
You start to identify what industries and careers you want. You start to drive yourself education-wise, whether that be a bachelor's degree, an associate's degree, or some sort of certification licensure before you get out, then you're more apt to be successful when you transition. The ultimate goal is a seamless transition from the DD-214 to a, a job, all right? That prevents lots of other negative things. It prevents unemployment, all right? It prevents homelessness. It helps our suicide rates that are, are alarmingly high, as you all know. That's no secret. That helps them go down. Just a lot of things start to come into place if you have a, a very good transition, right, and into a meaningful career. So what I tell people is figure out what it is that you want to do, figure out where you want to do it, all right, geographically, and how much money do you need to make to sustain yourself? Usually if you have two of those three things, then you're off to a success. So then you come to Hiring Our Heroes, which we have so many opportunities, not only great companies, but we also have the ability to upskill you, right? And there are programs out there uh, while you're in the military. The Skillbridge policy, which I helped write when we were in the, with the Army, that's upskilling. So take advantage of that. Get tied with the organizations like that that allow young men and women to upskill, uh, to do the Skillbridge program and upskill. Adam, for just a moment, and I'm going to ask you about the Skillbridge program. Just succinctly, what exactly is it? How does it work? Skillbridge program is a Department of Defense policy that allows the services to allow their young servicemen and women who have decided that they're going to transition out during the last 180 days of their military service, they can attend a, an apprenticeship program, a pre-apprenticeship program, job training, shadowing, or an internship with their commander authorizing them to do that. And there are th- over 3,000 uh, employers that have partnered with the Department of Defense and the military services to allow them to do the Hiring Your Heroes is one of those partners. So let me go back to a statistic you just cited. Did you say that 83% of all folks in the military are enlisted? Yeah, 86 is is, is about the number. But we'll so that means only that. 14% are, are officers. Is that, is that That's right. Okay. And I'll turn this one to you, Pat. You have to bring in a lot of people onto your team. Um, they're not all officers. Some of them are enlisted. Um, most of them probably are enlisted. Uh, tell us about that, how you try to figure out what skill set might be right for your team. Before we do that, I want to say thank you to Adam, because <laughs> I thank you for the skill bridge uh, policy. Uh, why I mentioned that is my daughter is uh, first lieutenant in the Army. That's why I don't poke at Army, even though I was in the Navy. Uh, she's a, a cavalry officer and uh, it commands a scout platoon. And, uh, and she's getting ready to get out of the service. She wanted to become a lawyer. And she's going through this skill bridge program. She's stationed in Fairbanks, Alaska, and she's going to do her skill bridge transition through the Fairbanks DA's office. And so she's super excited about the opportunity. So I think that's a great program, uh, one that I've seen both uh, enlisted folks and uh, and junior officers utilize. So great, great stuff. Um Spencer, uh, I guess to, to answer your particular question, uh, honestly, we have, you know, military has a culture and a, and a dictionary of its own and translating their skills and how the military classifies them. A lot of junior military folks, they struggle to explain what they did in the military. So I, one of the things I always talk about with folks that are coming to see me about future employment is like, 
you have to spend the time to get past the acronyms and the resume. And you got to really get to know the individual. And I think in a lot of cases, as an employer, the clinic, one, um, we're always shopping for talent and we take the time to, we give that, we have an ombudsman just like Adam inside our company. His name is Andrew Gunther that, that runs our Hiring America's Heroes program. And he literally is an ombudsman that gets them multiple interviews and we let them explore potential opportunities within the Cleveland Clinic. Uh, and, and that's been very, very successful. And I participate in that program with him, and that's helping military veterans explain both the intangibles and the tangible skills that they bring to the table. And I think sometimes they struggle, particularly the more junior ones. Mm -hmm. So, Michelle, one of the things we talk about on this show a lot is the term wellness. And wellness is a very wide term, right? But wellness, part of it is work-life balance or, as stated to be, work-life harmony. There are few jobs that are more demanding than military where you're traveling all over the world. Uh, and now in logistics with your clients, your clients have assets all over the world. What do you say to people that have transitioned from the military into the private sector and handling uh, this complicated lifestyle, this travel all the time uh, and running into unforeseen issues? So I have absolutely traveled all over the world for my real estate career, um, sometimes almost every single week in a year's time. And I would say for me, it's keeping that health uh, and the exercise that we did in the military, eating healthy, working out every morning. I do still try to work out almost every morning. Um, and I also um, eat well when I'm on the road. It's very, very difficult for many of us to do that. But I think you have to keep that in mind in order that for your, your mind to stay healthy as well and to be focused on what you're doing. I think it's also about balancing that. So when you are home, you're taking that time to spend with your family, your friends, whoever that might be and making sure that you take the time to yourself. And I think sometimes we get caught up and we probably work too hard. I would say uh, one of the things about the military folks is they are extremely hard workers. They will do whatever you ask of them and they will get it done. Uh, so sometimes we have to think about that. And, and we were asked to do that in the military. When you're deployed, you don't get necessarily a weekend off. You don't necessarily get the evenings off. You, you work a lot and you have to balance that in your civilian world because you may have different demands on you than you did in the military. Well, I was going to chime in a little bit from an employer standpoint, though, just, just in general from this. Wellness is about a culture that is set in, as Michelle just described, the culture of our military, frankly, about a wellness from your routine physical fitness to eating healthy in the, in the chow hall to adequate rest. You know, rest is a weapon. And when as a commander, I used to say, Everybody needs to get a certain amount of rest, even in combat. Holistically, that was the perspective of the military. But look at the culture. I mean, I think Pat and Michelle would say, you know, it's it, it's the culture of the organization that you want to be part of that creates that work-life balance, that creates that wellness for you, that other component of it is that you feel comfortable working with people who have the same values as you do, that have the same work ethic as they do. And that creates an aspect of wellness that is beyond nutrition and physical fitness. So I think what's important is back to the industry here, you need to create a, a picture of what it's like. What's the culture like at your organization? So it's funny because our culture, the clinic's culture is rooted in the four founders 
and the four founders all returned from uh, France in World War One, and they decided to establish the group practice of medicine. They'd been physicians on the battlefields of France. They returned, and our culture started in the military. And there's a rich history of alignment. Matter of fact, it's well celebrated on Veterans Day and on Memorial Day, et cetera. Honestly, we have a number of programs Adam, to your point, where we bring in military uh, corpsmen, we bring in technicians, and they work alongside of us, and it's an opportunity for them to get to know our culture. I can honestly say that my current service at the Cleveland Clinic, I feel like almost an extension of the service I had when I was in the military. The only difference is my uniform's different. That's it. Great. So we're going to ask for some final thoughts, how people get more involved. And maybe we'll start with you, Michelle. Uh, What are your final thoughts on uh, transitioning from the military into the private sector? Advice for people that are currently in the military transitioning in or people who have already transitioned out and may be struggling a bit? I think I would say, one, we have the ability to adapt and get things done. So when you're looking for a military person, know that first and foremost, they have the leadership training uh, from whether they're a PFC all the way through a colonel, they all have had some sort of leadership training throughout their career and continuously throughout their career. So know that I think that for employers that are looking for a leader or people that are able to adapt the military is is a place to see, to get that. I would also say that you have to kind of look outside of what their resume says. Um, there's a lot of skills that they have in addition to leadership, uh, adaptability, flexibility that the military has, but it, it's not always written in their resume. Um, I had a ordnance maintenance company, a weapons maintenance company that I had technicians that worked on the equipment that translates very easily to working on an HVAC equipment. In fact, one of the Marines actually worked for me in my civilian job as well. So it does translate. You just have to get that out of them and it can be a bit of a challenge, but for those that are looking for jobs, you have to think about that and how does it truly relate to what the job is that you want to go get and make sure that you you are able to communicate that to the employer. Pat, final thoughts from you. Um, Advice to people that are currently in the military and advice to people who have left the military looking to get more established in the private sector, particularly those who uh, may have not found their footing yet. Hey, thank you, Spencer. Um, Well, one is uh, I'd just like to say you constantly, if you're out already, you need to take advantage of the gift you've gotten in your network, your military network both those that you know and you have served with, but also the fact that there are thousands of individuals that that have been in the military and have a shared common experience with you. And that that's an opportunity for you to network just based on that shared experience itself. Um, I guess I'd also like to say to people that are thinking about transitioning is, the time to start transitioning is not like I did it, which was the week before I got out. I, I was retiring from the military, but it's when you think or you know that that event is happening, start immediately. Start working on your network, start working on your resume, invest in whatever skills you need to make a successful transition. Um, and then for employers, I'd say, hey, it's important to If you're really serious about hiring military folks, you really got to get past the resume. You have to have a conversation with military folks that are getting out. 
You really need to understand them, get past the jargon, particularly the younger folks are challenged by that. And then finally, for people like Adam and Michelle, my colleagues here, um, and myself that are out already and have had a successful career outside the military, part of your obligation and your continued service to the, the people you served with and trained is for you to reach out to them and help them transition and offering your network or your assistance to, to understand what opportunities are available to them. Great. So Adam, final thoughts for you as well on people thinking about transitioning, people who have transitioned, including those who haven't found their footing yet, but also how can our audience get involved with hiring our heroes, your organization, either as a employer or as somebody who just wants to support your organization? Thank you, Spencer, very much. Again, first thing for all those transitioning, especially those young men and women, dream big. And when I say dream big, I mean, you could do anything that you want to do if you prepare yourself. When you decide that you're going to transition, build that network, get those credentials, build that resume while you're going through, right? Earn those skills so that your resume and your, your abilities are that much stronger so it makes it seamless when you get out. You may do anything that you want to do in this world, but you have to prepare yourself, okay? So, and they can do it. The second thing from an employer standpoint is, it was alluded to as well, uh, we talked about culture, but what's really important, especially large organizations, is the military hiring program, right? That indicates that you mean business, that you care about the young men movement, and that you potentially have pathways for upskilling and growth and whatnot for them by establishing a military program. The CEO of company making commitment is very important, but taking it to the next step and having a military program, like you only put resources on it. You have somebody who was in the military who could understand and read through resumes and all of that jargon, right? And help them get to the next process. For me, the importance of the resume for a military person, it's not always going to be perfect, but if you have somebody on the other end that says you were in the military and is willing to at least give you that interview, then you'll sit across the table from them like we're doing here today and have a conversation like we're doing here and all the goodness in that young man or woman will come out, right? The third thing is if you're an employer out there, hire a veteran, all right, or a military spouse. Why? Because they're damn good. But because they will thrive, right? Give them the opportunity and they will thrive. They'll be committed to your organization just like they were committed to the military. And then the final thing is, how do you get involved? HiringYourHeroes.org. I'd say again, HiringYourHeroes.org. We have lots of programs, lots of ways for you to get involved. And we have thousands of partners, but we're always looking for more. Terrific. Well, on behalf of The Weekly Take, I want to thank our three fantastic guests today, starting with Pat Rios, Executive Director of the Cleveland Clinic. Pat, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Spencer. Thanks for the opportunity. It's a small way I can pay it back to the people I've served with. Great. And Michelle Butters, Senior Managing Director at CBRE. Michelle, great job. Thanks for coming on. Thank you, Spencer. And thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. And Adam Rock, Senior Director, Hiring Our Heroes. Adam, great job. What a wonderful organization. Yeah, thank you very much. I'm a soldier for life, but it's an honor to be here today. Thank you. For more on the topic of our show, and if you want to get involved with the program Adam Runs, you can find it online at HiringOurHeroes.org. We'll also feature more information and related content on our website, CBRE.com slash The Weekly Take. We hope you'll share the show as well as subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you listen. 
And for all of you who have reached out via the Talk to Us button on our homepage, thanks for the questions and comments. We'll be addressing your feedback on upcoming shows. We'll be back next week with more core real estate insights and perspectives on the economy. For now, thanks for joining us. I'm Spencer Levy. Be smart, be safe, be well.